1: Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, for all of you who love to hear VoiceAmerica.com on the Internet, you should be also very fascinated in what we're going to be talking about today because obviously you live a lot of your life glued into the Internet. And whereas it's a great thing when you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, it may not be so great in some of the other, uh, areas of the Internet. Today's my guest, Candace Kelsey, is the author of Generation MySpace. She is a teacher and she spends her days mediating MySpace-related dramas among her students. Um, MySpace is not any longer just a phenomenon of teenagers or preteens. It has now grown to where um, pretty much anybody and everybody has um, some connection, literally, to MySpace. And so we really need to start asking some of these hard questions of ourselves, whatever age we are. It's taking more and more of our time. We need to ask whether it's a great social networker or at the root of social alienation, a love connection or an invitation to pedophiles, an innocent diversion or our latest addiction. Today's guest will help answer some of these questions. Also, if you um, would like to call in with your questions about the Internet, then you can do that as well. So, uh, Cal- Candice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, Carol. Um, why don't we start off with what, this is your first book, right? Yes, it is. Well, what um, motivated you, what inspired you to write Generation MySpace?
3: Well, my passion is, is working with teenagers, and I'm a teacher um, by trade, and I had no interest in writing a book other than, uh, you know, I love language. I'm an English teacher. But uh, what happened was I, you know, stumbled across um Uh, realization that my student is difficult to connect with my students anymore because literally their entire social reality was revolving around something called MySpace. Um, And so, of course, I looked into it, found out what it was because that's sort of the type of teacher I am. I want to be able to be real with my students and understand what's going on in their lives and what's shaping their experiences. And um, what I proceeded to experience myself uh, via MySpace was pretty shocking and disturbing for me, quite honestly, at first. Um, I saw uh, a whole sort of other persona for some of my students laid out um, on MySpace. Um, For example, a very quiet, sort of demure student of mine uh, in the ninth grade, I saw her uh, MySpace page. And it was, it showed a totally different sort of identity. This was somebody portrayed, pretending to be, you know, in a gang, somebody using very foul language, a very aggressive, um, image, you know, imagery. And it shocked me. I didn't understand, well, who, you know, who is the real kid here? Is the one I'm seeing in class or the one on MySpace? And then just over time, I realized the typical teenage dramas that kids were coming to me after school saying, Mrs. Kelsey, you know, this happened or that happened, um, Tended to all germinate from uh, things happening on MySpace, and
2: also you. Uh, well, with this girl, um, the the gang, she was sweet and demure in class, um, but then the gang persona was her MySpace page.
3: It was, and, it, and, it, and it's not a reality in her life because I know her parents. Um, and well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are yeah. you sure that
2: that some of that isn't? Sh- I mean, did you? Nope no you're not sure no it isn't
3: true no it's not true and, and, and I found that out but, but the question here is why is she portraying herself this way online and to me that gets to the heart of who is she really and what, what issues of identity is she struggling with here yes and so what did you do when you saw that uh, well, I panicked a little bit, to be quite honest, and I sort of uh, had a knee-jerk reaction of this is all bad and what is going on. Um, so I decided to um, research it, and I spent about three years researching it, everything from academic articles to, um, you know, pop culture stuff. Um, and I interviewed over a 1,000 teenagers and uh, hundreds of parents and um, experts like yourself and um, really uh, came to the conclusion that um, – there's, there's really no this is good, this is bad type of approach, but more this is reality for kids today and really for uh, college students and even, you know, us adults that this is a huge part of Networking and socializing and um, the reality of our social world, and we just need to understand it. And for, for parents, my whole approach is, you know, we need to, to bridge that gap, that disconnect between parents and preteens and teenagers, because that's the, the, the major symptom I'm seeing is that many, many parents don't understand um the intricacies of these sites and how they're shaping our kids as they come of age um, and how they're shaping society as a whole and how we interact with each other. And so that's what I want to educate people about, is let's look at how this is shaping our, our socializing, our social skills, our views of each other, um, and, and let's see what we can do about that and keep it healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, you
2: I, I, you mentioned um, in your introduction that... Uh, in the book that uh, this also began when you started seeing a different
3: reaction to turn off TV day. Could you talk right, about right. that? Yeah. I mean, for years I've, I've been doing, you know, National TV turn off Week with my kids and they, for a week, can't, you know, have any screen time. So, of course, I include computers with that and, um, you know, generally there's, there's, you know whor- you know kids are horrified that they can't be watching tv but in the last 3 years i noticed um you know that's not a big deal tv really isn't that real in their lives um but it was now your this assignment is really getting in the way of my social life because i do all of my communication with my friends online we're instant messaging we're blogging we're sharing pictures we are my spacing back and forth we're on facebook back and forth with each other and um, so really it created a huge emotional reaction because it was denting not just their entertainment time watching TV, but now it was their social life. Yes, and it's really,
2: uh, you know, one of the things that that I think is, is something to be concerned about is how, you know, there, especially during adolescence, but even for adults, um, the more insecure that people are, and of course adolescence is a great time of insecurity, but right. <laughs> but everybody, no matter what age they are, is uh, has some insecurities. Right. We all have our insecurities. <laughs> and um it it becomes so much easier in a way to communicate um through MySpace or to communicate online, you know, mm-hmm. where where they're not seeing what you look like at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, you can take time to sort of uh, uh, erase, you know, what you said and change it and, and, um, right. and just present more of a face that you want to present, even if it's a fake face, mm-hmm. um, than you would be able to in real life. And I think that's a big
3: allure. That's a huge allure. In fact, many of the um, individuals I interviewed said that the, the number one attraction to the site is the fact that they can change uh the look of their page, you know, multiple times a day, and that that's almost addicting. Because, I mean, one of the great insecurities of all of us, adults in- included, is, you know, shaping, you know, uh, really advertising who we are and um, having an identity and, and um, letting the world kind of know, like, you know, who we are and where we stand and what we believe in. And, and this is a, it's a huge billboard to do that. I mean, you, you get to really use... Um, you know, all, pull all the stops out and trick out or, as they say, pimp out your MySpace page mm-hmm. to to really reflect who you are and express who you are. And, you know, we're all connoisseurs of the human condition. We all like to look at other people, and that's a huge part is connecting and looking at other people and how they represent themselves and what they think. But then also just ex- self-expression. I mean, getting on there and expressing who you are in this, you know, highly mediated um environment but nevertheless getting to get on there and have having the freedom to express who you are and then getting feedback because these sites encourage comments and feedback on it on what you've put up and so for teenagers it's huge because you can post new pictures you can you know change the the language you're using change what your favorite movies are um you know exchange comments and 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 this is just you know a huge way of saying this is who i am you know this is who i want to be uh and get the attention that goes along with that and for adults it's big too because you're putting out your image i mean we all every day put on an image you know and uh this is just a site that allows you to play with that yes and
2: you know um there's something relevant that that happened just yesterday it wasn't exactly with myspace but it's um you know, talking about disguising who you are or what's mm-hmm. what you're about on the internet. Um, did you hear about the woman who on, on the East Coast, who, well, no, actually it was in Minnesota, who answered an ad on Craigslist and uh, for a nanny, and no, wound, I did not hear, and she wound up being murdered. Oh, now, you know, I don't think this is um, this isn't. This could have just as easily have happened on other um, sites. Since it's sure, really not, right? I, I mean, I kind of feel bad for Craigslist. Yeah, <laughs> because it, yeah, because it's not it's not specifically their site, but right. it does represent. It kind of brings home right right today um, the danger of of one of the dangers of um, of believing what the advertising is on the internet.
3: Definitely, and you know, and that's, that's part of why I think one of the good things about a site like MySpace that attracts so many young people, it really is if, if parents get involved and can be the webmasters of their homes and really understand what they need to know about MySpace, we can groom the whole new generation of kids who know how to use those sites responsibly and know, how, know the tools and the skills to be able to, you know, not, not that the person who was murdered was at fault, but to really be able to know the dangers and the limitations and how to express yourself appropriately online and how to use these tools. These are tools that are not going away. They are integral in our society. Social networking is not going away. It is just going to grow. We, as as adults and as parents, we need to know how to teach our kids to use these things responsibly. So when they are adults that, you know, and they are um, using it for whatever, a dating site or, you know, Finding old friends or college reunion stuff—that that it's done properly, correctly, and and you're expressing yourself correctly. Yes. Well, you
2: know, to get back to the girl who um, pretended to be in gangs, did you did you meet with her? Did you you st- mentioned talking to her parents? Did you follow up on that?
3: Uh, well, it's a sticky situation because it's at like that looking point, looking in her diary. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was not her her. The site at the time was not set to private. Most kids have it set to private now for a variety of reasons. One, safety, and another is because they don't want any adults to see what's on their page. But um, and because on MySpace, if you're 14 or 15, it's um, automatically set to private. But um, you know, I you know what. I guess I I could have gone to her dad, who was actually a a colleague of mine, and said, this is what I saw. Um, But at that point, I didn't know enough about it yet to feel confident doing that. Um, And I, I will tell you this. One parent... Uh, whom I addressed about their daughter, um, a different student of mine, um, I was faced with a very belligerent reaction, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't go well. And you know, it's never going to go well when the parent isn't ready. If their heart isn't ready to hear what mm-hmm. you have to tell them or your concern, there's going to be nothing productive about the meeting. Um, looking back now, I wish that I had done things differently and talked to her parent. Um, did you talk to her? I did. I did, and uh, she she was receptive, but um, actually quite proud of her page. At the same time, it's MySpace, and you have no business looking at it. Uh huh. It's MySpace, not yours. Right. Right. (laughs) All right.
2: Well, when we come back, we'll hear more stories from the MySpace front with my guest, Candice Kelsey. She's the author of Generation MySpace. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America Channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends.
4: Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel.
5: VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. That number, again, if you would like to join in, is 866-472-5788. Um, I'm talking with my guest, Candace Kelsey. We're talking about her book, Generation MySpace, and the whole phenomenon of MySpace. Um, where should we get? Well, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. It's... Um, you know actually there's there's even um i mean now there's even worse in some ways or more dangerous in some ways is stick'em have you ever gone to
3: that website yeah it's 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 a little jarring actually um yeah it it, it. You see, it's, this is just another product of, of this genre of, you know, anonymity that the internet affords, and then, you know, it, people who don't understand how to use it responsibly and how. You, uh, it's just, I think it's horrible.
2: Let me just explain for those of you who have um, not gone to stickem.com <laughs> dot com um i oh, it was worth a look just to be sort of repulsed but um but it's it's you know it what it is is my space in real time. Mm-hmm. um it 's my it 's well it 's like myspace and YouTube combined, but mm-hmm. in real time um, people are on you see people on their computers waiting to talk to you or um just doing their own thing, which sometimes includes being exhibition, ex, exhibitionistic mm-hmm. and uh doing sexual acts online in real time um it's it's really kind of depressing because you you look at the people, even when they're not exhibiting themselves, um well, they're all exhibiting themselves in one sense, but even when they're not sexually exhibiting themselves, um, you see them just kind of sitting at their computer and not doing anything i mean, um you know waiting for someone to contact them or just kind of looking up at the ceiling or and you just i mean, my feeling was um why doesn't this person go out and volunteer? <laughs> exactly. Why don't they find something positive and helpful to do with their life that will also make them feel good about themselves? I mean, why sit there twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing, hoping, I mean, being really lonely, it's, 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 it's sad, um, and just hoping that
3: somebody is going to contact them. Well, that's one of the thing I know, things I noticed in my research is that there really is, you know, obviously the, the encouragement of it, sort of an exhibitionism, but also this sense of narcissism that's being created. And it's, it, you know, that essentially you you are... Sitting in front of your computer and, and participating in a site like Stick'em really is extremely self-centered behavior. Um, and it's, you're really looking for gratification that revolves around attention on yes. you or somebody tuning in or, you know, I'm sorry, signing in to see you and what you're up to. And it's a really dangerous shift, I think, in, in our society because really a, a society that isn't surrounded upon, you know, surrounded or I'm sorry, based on, you know, looking out for other people, I think is a society that will collapse. Because if it's one that's completely focused on the self and what attention you can get, I mean, that leaves a whole host of issues yes, that, yes. That, aren't, that are unhealthy. I mean, it
2: kind of relates to this um, same obsession with fame, why people mm-hmm. want to become famous, not necessarily for discovering uh, the cure for cancer, yeah. but just for anything that will make them famous, you know, and preferably with as little work having to
3: do as little work as possible. Right, and it doesn't even matter if it's if it's humiliating. I mean, at the advent of reality TV, you see that that even if it's yes. a humiliating thing that if that gets you attention, that it's good. And I've seen this really really impact young girls, especially high school girls because They're growing up in an age where they're encouraged to be exhibitionistic and that that's the only way they're going to get attention from guys because if they're not exhibitionists, those guys will spend their time with girls who are. Yes. And out of 500 profiles of 14- and 15-year-old girls that I surveyed on MySpace, 59% of them had sexually uh explicit, not explicit, but sexually suggestive photographs all over their MySpace page, and 20% of them were faux lesbian pictures, so really trying to, you know, put on a show and mm. to, to get attention. One 14-year-old, I'll call her Nadine, I interviewed, said, well, of course I look hot on my MySpace page. I'm trying to get as many ads as possible, like as many friend ads as possible. So this is something that our mm. kids are being trained and encouraged um, in, to do, and it's condoned, to share your pictures and make your pictures as interesting and as intriguing as possible so that you get as many friend requests and ads and you become popular on these sites. Yes. I mean, it, it, I remember um, listening to, uh, several months back listening
2: to the radio and hearing a mother call in to talk about how she somehow her attention was brought to her daughter's MySpace page, I think. Um, a A a mother of a friend or something told her, did you see your daughter's MySpace page? And she looked at the page, and it was her daughter in a very, um... By the way, that's
3: a call you never want to get. (laughs) Have you seen your daughter's MySpace?
2: Yes, right. (laughs) Um, Her daughter was in kind of sexy uh, lingerie, Mm -hmm. and um... And she, just like what you were talking about before, she had no idea that, you know, as I'm sure many parents don't, that right. that their teenagers are putting this kind of face on on their MySpace page. Right. Right. And but but in her in her talking about this, um, it, she talked about how she was divorced, and it was so typical. I mean, it just struck me that hmm. the woman didn't get it, as you know, obviously a lot of people don't. Particularly, I think one of the reasons why this need for attention is coming out now, and for girls, especially the need for male attention, mm-hmm. is because um, of so many parents not paying enough attention to their children. I mean, they're, well, not, absolutely. they're not getting it from their parents, starting from when they're babies. And so they need to reach out, you know, even if it's anonymously, to get the attention that they really should be getting at home. And so when this in this example when um and I'm sure this goes for a lot of teenage girls and also the ones who um, get caught up in in corresponding with a pedophile, Right, is that their parents are divorced or their father is a workaholic. Mm -hmm. They're not getting enough male attention from their father. Usually an absent father of some sort, yeah. Yes, that's what you found in your research. Oh, absolutely. And, and so they want to get male attention from some other
3: men, you know, the, any men, they'll take any men. Of course, and you know, it, it, it plays on the typical normal adolescent craving for, you know, attention from the opposite sex. That's normal, that's healthy. And, you know, the advent of a site like MySpace or Facebook isn't, you know, isn't bringing something new to the scene. What's happening, though, is that unfortunately these sites condone that kind of behavior. They condone the, you know, add as many friends as possible, accumulate friends, accumulate friends, do it however you can, post as many pictures as you can, join as many of these uh, forums as you can, you know. I mean, uh, you know, when you blog on MySpace, you're have to, you you're allowed to choose what mood you're in as you're blogging, and they give you answer choices. One, two of the choices are, one is horny one is lonely. I mean, that's, to me, in a way, in a way encouraging yeah. a 14-year-old girl to think that way or to say, hey, if I write that I'm lonely, maybe I'll get some more attention. I mean, and that's, you know, that, kids at that age are just not able to process all the consequences of that behavior. So these girls who are posing this way, who are, you know, adolescents, they, honestly, my heart bleeds for them because they're simply trying to find their place in this whole, you know, crazy hierarchy of adolescents and who they are sexually and, you know, wanting to get attention from boys, et cetera. But what happens is they're entering into this horribly high-stake, you know, ca- card game that they have no, they're not equipped at all to handle. And the worst part is they can't even go to their parents to figure out what's good and what's not good because their parents know nothing about MySpace or mm-hmm. know nothing about Facebook. So they're literally trailblazing. And yes. that's dangerous.
2: Yes. And, and well, I think also um, they would be ashamed to reveal these feelings that they have to their parents, you know, not really putting it into words, not wanting to, or not knowing how to put it into Mm -hmm. words that, you know, I needed more attention from you. Right.
3: (laughs) Yeah, not even understanding that. Yeah, the the, the big advice I give to parents um, is you have to make the offline world far more uh, appealing and fulfilling than the online world, because that's the major problem. Kids are finding much more joy, much more fulfillment being online than they are offline. And honestly, that's one area where parents can come in and say, okay, I can change that. I mean, I can change that. It's difficult for the single parent who has to work two jobs, and, you know, I, I hear that. But there's, you know, starting at a young age, we have to show our kids that being offline is actually a lot more rewarding than being online.
2: Yes, but in, it, and it's true that um everyone um is, seems to be spending more time whether it's with emails or or uh, MySpace or just you know looking things up on the internet I know. you could you know hours just hours just, just, you could spend your whole day
3: totally, doing and that's that. the other thing. Parents have to model that. I mean, you, we, my husband and I just got rid of the internet at our house because he was spending, admittedly, way too much time doing Yahoo fantasy baseball team or fantasy football teams. You know, he he loves it. He does it all the time, and he would come home and spend hours on it. and We both decided, you know what? This is not a healthy for our family, but B, you're modeling this behavior for our five year old. She sees you on the computer. And so she thinks it's time for me to get on the computer. Yes. So we, we as parents have to model, you know, guidelines.
2: Yes, and it really is sad to take away from participating in things in real life,
3: mm-hmm.
2: whatever they are. Um, I mean, you know, I, I used to talk about um, how it's, it's much better to be playing um, uh, sports than watching them on TV, and now right. MySpace or the Internet um, takes this to another level.
3: You, you know, you're not even in the stands watching. <laughs> you're actually, oh. no. And actually, the, the 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 largest, the biggest trend right now, especially for teenagers and for college students, boys, is the online gambling. Yes, they are. I mean, it's an epidemic. Yes, it's not even. You're not even playing sports, but you're and you're just you're simply gambling on sports.
2: Yes, that's sort of the um, equivalent of the girls who are putting up sexy pictures of themselves because gambling has a sexual element to it too. Brings that sexual excitement to the mm-hmm. person who's gambling.
3: Absolutely, that high, uh-huh, that risk taking for sure.
2: And then, of course, when the the bills come, <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly.
3: You know, exactly. Yeah, a, par- a parent at my school called and asked. He said, you know, I don't know what to do. My son came in and asked me if I knew the score of the Knicks-something game, Uh, and and my response was, but it's preseason. And he said, yeah, yeah, I need to know, I need to know. And he found out he was betting on preseason sports, Hmm. and uh, he's very concerned. Yes,
2: indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we come back, we'll talk more with my guest, Candace Kelsey, the author of Generation MySpace. If you would like to uh, call in, if you've used MySpace, you love MySpace, you hate MySpace, give us a call. The number to call in is 866-472-5788. And when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, the pros and cons, dangers, and fabulous parts <laughs> of the Internet, MySpace and the Internet. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol
6: Lieberman.
0: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Sharman Lane is offering you. Join Sharman Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple.
6: Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up featured vacations each week and last minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel.
5: If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Candace Kelsey. She is the author of Generation MySpace and we're talking about the uh psychological, sociological, cultural impact of my space and i guess the internet in general. One of the things that um i found rather surprising and disgusting all at the same time is um frightening, i guess because of it's how devastating it is not just to teenagers but i mean i guess teenagers do it more than than more mature people, but um this concept of dissing each other, um, gossiping in a really nasty way about each other, um, mm-hmm. and having it go on the internet through through MySpace like wildfire. Absolutely. Tell well, us about some of the the. That's some of the things that you've had to deal with with your students when they come in crying because someone has been saying all these bad things about them.
3: Yeah, I mean a day doesn't go by that some sort of drama isn't transpiring, you know, from what's been said online or what's been text messaged or instant messaged. Um, you know, just, here's a here's a sample. Uh, a 14-year-old girl, start of the school year a few years ago, she starts dating 16-year-old boy You know, they're in love, we're at the school retreat, they're holding hands, we have to keep telling them to stop holding hands, you know, everything's great. Well, a week later, they're broken up, of course, and hate each other. So, uh, you know, he decides, very foolishly, to um, boast a little bit and sort of retaliate, and he posted um, uh, information on his MySpace page that was uh, detailing the supposed sexual exploits they had. Now, she was mortified, of course. You know, whether they were true or not is immaterial, but the fact that they were up posted for anybody, you know, the guy had maybe 300, 300 <laughs> friends that could see his site with this posted. So, of course, the nature of cyberbullying is that it it really is all about retaliation. So, of course, now she retaliates and everything becomes heightened and, you know, This young man had some acne problems, so she posts a bulletin on her MySpace that goes out to all her friends, neighboring high schools and whatnot, Mm -hmm. about what a pimple-faced freak he is and this and that, and it gets ugly. It did reach the school campus because she decided to put up pictures on the lockers of him and making fun of him and his ethnicity and all of this stuff, so... Um, the school was able to handle it at that point. But, you know, this it opens up a whole host of issues for schools, for administrators. It also, um, you know, it, it, it really is hard for parents to deal with because it's all done supposedly with these secret communications that parents have no access to. It's unregulated, unmonitored, unfiltered. Um, and it's really just sort of Lord of the Flies uh-huh. for kids. So, I mean, what? So,
2: what did when you were doing your research? What did you find that that um, teenagers said about this? That I mean, was there a feeling? Did you ask people about whether they would like
3: MySpace to regulate itself? Well, the first thing is they they don't even know what the term cyberbullying is. Kids, it's just like, what? What do you mean? That's just part of everyday social life in today's world. So, I mean, that's just part of everything. Uh, there's no special, you know, name for it. It's just part of what goes on. Um, yeah, kids feel, I mean, 50, well, first of all, statistically, 58% of kids that are online have been harassed or felt threatened online at some point, 53%, which I find more amazing, of kids say they have, have done the harassing, have said mean or threatening things mm-hmm. online. So the real issue here is that usually the one being bullied has also done some bullying themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of a almost like a rite of passage for kids today, that when you feel anger or betrayal or frustration, which every teenager you know, feels that's normal, um, the, the new way of expressing it now is this sort of unhealthy thing of posting it. Again, remember MySpace, this is so much about self-expression. So if you're feeling this emotion, you're going to post a blog railing somebody, right? Or Mm -hmm. you're going to post um, a picture and then write a nasty comment underneath it. Um, So it's just sort of, I don't think, the teenagers I interviewed, um, you know, obviously they'd love for... To not be harassed online, but I don't think they would like to give up the opportunity to do it. <laughs> you know, and I, and, I, and I and I believe me, I have a heart for teenagers. That's where I, that's what I've devoted my life to. So I'm not say, trying to be negative about them. It's just this is just so ingrained in them that this is a way for them to deal with all matters social. Well, you know, but it's so it's really a paradox
2: because at the same time that there's this all this social networking going on on MySpace. It's it's really um each person alone in his or her room mm-hmm. um not interacting in any live way with someone else.
3: Exactly. And for us as adults that's so bizarre and unhealthy and it changes the whole look of communication and of relationships. But for these kids who've been raised with this, they don't know the difference. So when we tell them this is unhealthy, you have to see somebody face-to-face, I mean, honestly, the reaction is, why? Yeah. These these are real relationships to me. And to them, they are real. They don't know any differently. That's what I mean by we have to sh- start showing kids that offline relationships are more fulfilling than online because they honestly don't know the difference. And I kind of feel bad for some of the kids because they're getting all this flack like, wait a minute, your relationships are... Flimsy and unhealthy because they happen online. But these kids are saying, "But those are the only relationships I really have."
2: Yeah, that is. (laughs) (laughs) It is really bad because it's sort of this. They're such pseudo relationships because Mm -hmm. it's it's from. I mean, unless you can actually see the person, see their nonverbal behavior, um, you know, touch them, look into their eyes. um, It's just. You know, it's 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 a it, well, it's a very protected kind of. I mean, even with the cyberbullying, which is certainly painful and hurtful and all of that, still there's almost a, there's a disconnect with reality in a sense. So it's not as painful. And yes, it goes out right. to you know hundreds more people than if it were just in a in a group um, hmm. like in the schoolyard. But at the same time, it's a, it's. It, the person can pretend that it's not real because it's just something on
3: the screen. Right, exactly. And then that, you're right. And then that's such an unhealthy disconnect because here you are feeling these emotions that are normal like, wow, that hurt. Right? or, wow, that's embarrassing, right. but yet you really can't do anything about it because it sort of didn't really happen in real time or in real right. life, and I really can't go to my parents because then I'd have to tell them or show them my MySpace page, um, and I'd have to actually show them how I retaliated. So I'm just going to have to just feel this pain on my own, and, you know, that's not healthy.
2: I mean, there, there just needs to be more... Um... Well, have you thought of of doing any kind of, uh, or are you doing any kind of activism in terms of getting, let's say, MySpace to um, change some of its policies, like, for example, to not allow um, certain kinds of photos
3: to be put up or certain kinds of words to be used? Well, yes and no. I've made my attempts. Most have been rebuffed. I will say this: I do applaud the MySpace Corporation. Um, uh, Himanshu Nigam is the security officer; he does a very good job um, with what he has, and uh, they're making some progress. You know, I have a laundry list of things I could give you. My top three of what needs to change to help to protect. The 18 and or the 17 and under crowd on MySpace, um, but we have to remember this is a business. This is why Rupert Murdoch spent 560 million dollars to buy it. This is why Facebook is worth billions of dollars. It's a business, and that business really is predicated on attracting users. And if you start regulating or overregulating it, you are going to lose the teen population. So we have to remember they're, not, they're going to do what's right for their business. Um, but, you know, they are making some, some strides and they're getting serious about the predator issue. My, my problem is that the predator issue is definitely a problem, um, but really there's so much more going on that parents and adults need to be aware of in terms of, like you said, culturally how is it shaping us. Well, what are your
2: top three? What are the top three changes that you would like to see made on MySpace?
3: Okay, well, the first one is there has to be age verification. And I don't know, I'm not a computer um, expert, I don't know how you would do that, but there is no age verification, nor is there uh, um, valid email verification. So to sign up to have a page, you have to use an email address. You can just write abc at com. It doesn't matter. So there's no way of tracking down or knowing who who really is behind this page. Mm. So really, let's say... You sign up a MySpace page and you have a phony email address, which doesn't matter. You have a phony age, doesn't matter, no way of checking. And you start breaking all sorts of rules. Well, you know, the terms of use for MySpace are very good. If you look at them, they're fabulous. But the problem is they don't have enough people to monitor and regulate the over, you know, 150 million, 150 million users. They have 200 employees that actually regulate, you know, look around at everything. So, um you know, you have a great terms of use, but you know the punishment, what's the punishment if uh your let's say your MySpace profile you put up is offensive? Let's say it has racist language, which is in the terms of use is not allowed, or let's say you have sexual photos, in terms of use it's not allowed. What is the risk? What they do? They will delete your account. Now, in the thousands of teenagers I interviewed over the last year and a half, uh-huh. um, not a single one had ever had their site deleted, nor had they known anybody who had. I'm not saying they haven't deleted sites, because I know they just deleted... Some uh, I think thirty-five, you know, sexual offen- you know, registered sex offenders, which is great, but um, but you know, so this is not a very real threat because guess what? You just sign back on with a fake email address and a fake name. Mm-hmm. There's really no, there's really well, no way to punish anybody on these but, sites.
2: But they get the real. Don't I mean? I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an, a technological expert by any means either. But I'm a technophobe. But <laughs> um, uh, isn't there a way that they can tell uh? What the real email address is, if they were—I mean, for example, when they were trying, to, when they found these pedophiles, did they do that because the pedophiles put their real email address, or or uh, don't they have a way to um, through the back end to actually see what
3: what email address I, it did come from? I would like to know that. My answer is no. I but but MySpace was refusing to hand over. Um, the, the MySpace addresses of those uh, registered sex offenders until the Attorneys General really attacked them and then they finally handed them over. Mm. So clearly they had some information. Um, but, you know, I've signed on and made many false pages in order to do my research and you know, at no point am I ever giving them any information <laughs> that uh-huh. they could find me. I think maybe through an IP or some yes, sort of trace yes. like the FBI does with sexual you know, p- you know, child pornographers, they can trace the computer right. it comes from. Right. But right. other than any like an email or a name, no. Mhm. Yeah, but I mean I guess
2: well so I guess they would need this um legal um, subpoena or something. Definitely they would,
3: yeah. They're very very strict about that. Well, we Um, do
2: need to take a break. (laughs) We will come back and listen to more of these stories, Um, really interesting stories, Um, behind the scenes at MySpace with Candice Kelsey, the author of Generation MySpace. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Carla St. Rose Ryan is a woman on a mission to educate and inform single mothers and parents everywhere to the dangers that their children face while they're not looking and how they can protect their children's innocence. Join Carla every Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific for Breaking the Silence on the Voice America channel. Be a part of the solution.
5: VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And
2: welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. Talking today about MySpace, harmless fun or dangerous drug. My guest is Candace Kelsey. She's the author of Generation MySpace. She's also a teacher. And she also, uh, is a speaker talking to parent groups and, uh, any groups who are, are interested in, uh, learning more about MySpace, the, what goes on behind the scenes. So we were talking about, um <laughs> talking about a number of these things. Tell us some more stories about, um you know, some, some of these dramas that you have, um had to mediate with your students. Sure. Well,
3: one of my students, um, uh, I'll call her Jamie, sweet girl, uh, but really struggled, a lot of anger, a lot of issues at home, um, and she was a self-professed cutter. So she was, you know, cutting and trying to get over that and, you know, seeking therapy for it. Um, but... Uh her MySpace page, uh, you know, really sort of made a big deal about that and she sort of was trying to I think identify herself with, you know, the emo crowd, which is like the you know, the deep dark uh crowd that sort of wears black, not really gothic but more like um into, you know, uh sort of counterculture stuff. And um she decided to text message um a boy at school using another girl's phone and saying that she liked him and all this stuff so that the boy thought it was coming from a different girl, um, got all excited and, you know, texted back some things to her and found out that it was really Jamie playing this trick on him. Clearly, I mean, I think she was trying to sort of flirt with him and it just backfired. Um, well, he was able to... Um, send her some messages to her MySpace page, and when she opened those messages up, you know, you can send um, images. So the images that would come up were of bloody razors. Oh, God. Sort of really uh, pushing the envelope there with the fact that she's sort of recovering uh, Cutter. Um, And then uh, to make it worse, the next day at school when she logged on to her computer in the computer lab... um, you know, each kid has their own screensaver come up under their own password. You know, up comes uh, another picture of a razor. Hmm. So she felt really harassed. Um, again, you know, she sort of started the whole exchange. But again, the whole point is that you take it to that next level. You just Google a picture of a razor, and then you, you know, get the JPEG and you, you know, email it or send it over to your MySpace page. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's just a high tech. Horror is, mm. is what I call it, you know. Um, and, but, and that kind of illustrates what we were talking about before,
2: how, you know, there's it, it this disconnect from reality because as angry as that guy was and sort of humiliated, you know, for right. having shared that he was attracted to the other girl or whatever, right. um, you know, he wouldn't really want this girl to cut herself or to kill herself, you no, know. of course not. So, but, but somehow it feels okay to do it. By sending the pictures online, as if that isn't going to have real-world consequences.
3: Exactly, and to further that disconnect, um, a student—actually, um, uh, at a different school—but a student I know um, had decided to have an abortion, and she, on her MySpace page, just talked openly about the experience. And I don't know if it was a means of therapy for her, or if it helped her get through the the, the pro, you know the trauma of it all. But, um, you know, she just was so open, almost just a lack of sort of modesty or privacy that I'm noticing in kids, and she opened herself to all sorts of ridicule Mm. and, you know, very callous comments from people, which just broke my heart for her. But, you know, here she didn't quite understand the boundaries of what you share online and what you don't share Mm. online, especially with people, you know, teenagers out there who are going to take any weakness and run with it. One student I interviewed said, you know, well, of course, um, or, of course, you, uh, you have to be careful what you what you put online, especially on MySpace, because if anybody detects a weakness, it's going to be all over the place. I mean, that's just the mindset. It's just here you go. You better be careful. So, I mean, how is this shaping our kids? They're growing up in this, you know, like in a fishbowl. And then they're encouraged to not, you know, to keep the blinds open, so to speak. You know, to to just sort of let it all hang out, and then just take take the lumps and the praises as they come. One one girl I interviewed said, "You know, why else would I take pictures with my friends if I can't post them on my space? Uh-huh. Literally, why would I take? Why would I even bother taking a picture with my girlfriends if I can't put them up on my space to get comments back?"
2: You know, it's like uh, it reminds me of um, this quote by Carmen Electra, who stole it from Madonna. Who, that's, who said, um, no, I'm paraphrasing, um, life isn't worth living if there isn't a camera around.
3: <laughs> exactly, yeah,
2: exactly. And so that's kind of the same thing. And yet, um, you know, but the danger of all of this, besides the the hurt at the moment from getting these bad comments, especially the more uh, private the things are that you share, Mm -hmm. is that it really causes people, I mean, it's almost a self-perpetuating situation, because it causes people to build up walls, and then they are less likely to have real-life interactions face-to-face, and to just hide behind their computer.
3: Right, exactly, exactly. And see, then that's what the this advent of, you know, the privacy. Set your account to private and then your parents mm-hmm. don't have to worry and you're totally safe. Well, you know, there's so many myths about the privacy setting that I don't think we have time to get into. But um, the, the deal is kids don't want to set their sites to private because they want to be public. I mean, there's this, this real mm-hmm. um, blur between public and private space for kids today. And I think that's one of the major issues. And parents, again, don't know enough about it to really usher their kids into understanding that.
2: Yes, and it is so much um, about really having face-to-face parent time that helps you to deal with face-to-face kid time, um, or, re- or not e- you don't even have to, I mean, just face-to-face real life time. Exactly. Um, I, I know one of the, in your book, one of the people said um, when they, when you gave them that um, uh, when they had to shut off the Internet and television uh-huh. and all that, um, they talked about how they got to spend more time with their parents, and it was so nice to have real-life yes. time with them. Well, we're going to have to... uh th- Our time is up, but I do want to give people your website, first of all, okay. um, which is CandiceKelsey.com. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y.com. A lot of good stuff to read, and you can also, there is a contact page where you can contact her if you'd like her to speak at your event. And the book you can get, of course, from the website, but also, you know, where books are sold in general, such as Amazon and and bookstores. Well, thank you very much. Again, that's CandiceKelsey.com, C-A-N-D-I-C-E-K-E-L-S-E-Y.com. Thank you, Candice. You're very welcome. Thank you for sharing some of these stories. It's nice to know that um, there is somebody like you out there um, where... I I mean, just one one quick... We're running out of time But one quick thing when, when your students Found out that you Wrote this book What was their reaction
3: <laughs> Well I'll just say So many of them Wanted to be interviewed And wanted to share Their stories with me Of course anonymously um, But I did have A couple a uh, couple kids Tell me that I've Ruined their lives You know but um, <laughs> I have such a good Relationship with them That they understand What I'm doing Is out of love That I truly love them I'm not a wet blanket And I'm not judging them I'm just saying Look I care about you And there's some Influences here That you, your parents Need to be aware of for your own safety. Yes. Absolutely. They understand that. Kids know. They know when you're real and when you really do yes. care about them or not. Yes. Well, thank you again very much, and best of luck with this. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and thank you
2: all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.